welcome in to the Very, Very Quite Contrary podcast. We've got an educational show for you today. And before I dive into what that's all about, I I realized that I'm so thankful for all of you who have listened and rated the show and given me so many great reviews. And I just wanted to say thank you by reading a few of them, not to like pat myself on the back because I am... Not very good with flattery as uh, an Enneagram type eight. You will actually hear more about the personality in this episode today, and on the other the other eight profiles. But um, I wanted to read some of them just to give you guys kudos and thank you for listening to me and my guests. So um, I've got one here from you know the the name. I don't know if it is a real name, but it says B-G-R-P-H, Bagurf. <laughs> Jannie and guests don't just talk about important information and topics, but they set you up so that you can take action of your health, your family, and do the research yourself. She's a force to be reckoned with. Thank you, Jannie, for this podcast and for being unapologetically you. Thank you for challenging your followers and listeners to do better. Thank you for taking action. This podcast will reach far and wide. Your work is making a difference. Thank you. And even though like flattery, you know, and um, compliments maybe make me uncomfortable, I realize that I do need them because it it helps, especially in this day and age and the climate that we're facing. And it is, it's helpful to hear words like this. Um, there's another one here from Chelsea xx photo truth seeker by interviewing experts in their fields jenny provides educational podcasts that shed light on topics that the public deserves to know about and then infinitely organic she i know her from instagram bam jenny is absolutely incredible and will speak the truth no matter what so thankful for all that i have learned and continue to learn from and with jenny thank you for sharing this with us we are all incredibly thankful for you um, and I know that there was one from Evie or Evelyn Danford. She put Jenny for president. <laughs> like That's never going to happen. Um, seriously, though, she doesn't stop hitting us with groundbreaking info shared from a place of love and intentions of changing all of our lives for the better. Truth seekers everywhere must know about this gold mine of knowledge. And so I'll keep reading some of these um, for every episode, uh, if I can remember <laughs> Uh, but I, I, I have somebody on the podcast who's going to share a little bit more about the Enneagram and Enneagram is kind of been popping up everywhere on social media and I get a lot of questions about it because I do refer to it quite a bit because I am a type eight and I will say like, Oh, this is so me because it's such an eight thing. And it's basically, I've heard it referred to as a personality test, but it's basically a typology. And so it's a really good tool in using for not only for self-awareness and self-development, um, but also in relating, connecting to other people and your spouse and your children. And so we're going to give you a lot more information <laughs> than what I'm saying now, just about the Enneagram and how to use it. And yeah, so I hope that you know you'll understand that Things like my Instagram page and my podcast are all coming from a place that um, are directly related to my Enneagram type. So 
I hope that you learned some stuff about yourself and other people in this. All right, and welcome to the Very, Very Quite Contrary podcast. It's Jannie Organically, and with me I've got Elizabeth Bennett, who is an Enneagram coach. And is it just, is a coach, right? It's a Enneagram coach, or is there a qualifier in there? Yeah, well, I mean, we say certified Enneagram coach just because there isn't, like, there isn't a real formal thing you have to do to become an Enneagram coach since it's so new and it's not like you can go to college for this. Um, yeah. So saying that like I went through a program and like I became certified, like that gives me a little bit more of a distinguish. Cred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Enneagram, I think a lot of people have been seeing it on their social media feeds. Um, at least that's where I uh, see it a lot right now. And maybe they're seen it from their friends saying, Oh, this is how to best love me. I'm a five and I am a six. And they're like, what are you talking about? What are these numbers? So I remember when I first experienced this, I was on an airplane and I was reading, um, you know, Bob Goff, right? Yeah. His wife, Maria, sweet Maria, she wrote a book and I was reading the book and she kept saying that she was, she was a nine and Bob's a seven. I'm like, what are they talking about? And I just Googled like, I'm a nine and I'm a seven and the Enneagram came up and I took the test on the airplane. So, um, and that was a few years ago whenever Maria's book had come out. So, um, Perhaps everybody who's in the same boat as me kind of wondering what these numbers are. Elizabeth, can you give us a little overview about the Enneagram and um, what, what's, what's it all about? Yeah, of course. So I'll give you a little bit of a history and then I'll kind of go a little overview about what each of the numbers are. But basically, I'm not sure if you've seen a picture of the Enneagram, if you are listening, um, but it's a circle with all of these interconnecting lines. And it kind of can freak Christians out because it looks a little bit like a pentagram, but <laughs> it's not. Um, and there, there are multiple Enneagrams. So this is the Enneagram of personality. And no one really knows quite where the first initial drawings came from. Um, we do know that the word Enneagram is Greek. It means Ennea, which means nine, and then gram, which means drawing. Um, but how we think of the Enneagram today really came about in the 60s with a guy named Oscar Echezo, which I hope I'm saying his name right. Um, he is a Bolivian-born philosopher, and he mm -hmm. is who assigned each of the points on the Enneagram, a number and like a virtue and a fixation and like a deadly sin and all these things that we know about the Enneagram today and all the verbiage we use. He's really the founder of that. And so really it's only, I mean, not even a hundred years old that we know that type of stuff. And then about 20 years ago, Father Richard Rohr um, wrote a book, The Enneagram of Christianity. And um, that's kind of when it got influenced more in the Christian realm, where it actually is pretty big in um, Catholicism, um, because he was a monk. Um, and so that's where it kind of became more of this thing. And then only more recently in the last couple of years, Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stabile wrote a book called The Road Back to You, which mm -hmm. really made the Enneagram more accessible for the first time. Um, it, he, it, they called their book a primer. And mm -hmm. so it's really, really basic because the Enneagram can get really confusing pretty quickly. And yeah. that's where people like me learned about the Enneagram. And like I did a deep dive after that and I researched a ton of stuff and I got really into it. But the road back to you is a really good starting point if you're brand new. And that's kind of where a lot of people have learned about it for um, today. 
So it's it's kind of like a personality test. Would you, would you call it a personality test? Yeah. Well, I'm not necessarily a test. It's like a personality philosophy, Profile. I guess. Like the typology, I guess. Okay. Um, similar to Myers-Briggs or Strength Finder, um, but does focus a little bit more on um, the negative attributes of yourself, which is one of the reasons why I like it with Christianity, because um, it's not as... I don't know, conceited, I guess. It kind of gives you room to grow and see where mm-hmm. you need to change. Yeah, and because you mentioned the um, pentagram-like uh, <laughs> uh, symbol that it has, and it's sort of like a, like a clock, only it doesn't go to 12, it goes to 9. Yes. And each number um, ha- veers off into to two other, so they connect to two other numbers on the circle. Yes. And if I'm understanding correctly, those are called wings, so no actually no? the ones that they connect don't, to, i don't know anything that's why you're here <laughs> so the ones they connect to the lines are actually um called like their stress and security or integration and disintegration they mean a couple of different things um so like one of the lines is where you go to um when you are stressed and when you're not doing so hot and the mm-hmm. other one is when you go where you go to when you're feeling really secure and you're growing you get the best attributes of that other number and then the stress ones you get the worst attributes of the other number ah okay makes sense yes yeah so maybe um for everybody you could do kind of like a high level overview of each number and if they already know their number they'll be like yep that's me and if they don't they might you know a little bit intrigued as to maybe they sound like uh, one number or a couple yeah okay so yeah i'll can do that. So, um, there are nine numbers and, um, number one is not better than number two. Like they're all, they all were just assigned a number. It doesn't really mean anything. I so that's not under that impression. Cause, um, I'm an eight and I thought it was like a scale of one to nine. Like, no, I, I'm eight out of nine. No, no I'm just yeah. kidding. and I've also had people say like, Oh, for the test, like you, you get a two and a four and then you combine that and you're a six. And I'm like, no, okay. That's not oh. what it is either. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll just go through them one through nine. So, um, and each of one of the numbers also has like a name to tag it on to that kind of helps you remember the base attributes of that number. So I'll give you the name too. Um, so number one is called the perfectionist. This is the type with a really strong sense of right or wrong and they're influenced by wanting to have integrity. Um, they have a really um, strong inner critic that can um, kind of bash them over the head when they make mistakes. So that's something that's really kind of unique to them. They um, typically have problems with resentment and impatience, but at their best, they're wise, discerning, realistic, and noble. Um, and then number two, they're called the helper. Um, twos are empathetic and friendly and generous and self-sacrificing. They tend to be kind of the glue in family situations as well as like workplaces. Um, they can have problems with possessiveness and acknowledging their own needs, but at their best, they're unselfish, altruistic, and they have unconditional love for others. Um, and then number three, they're called the achiever. This is the most charming type on the Enneagram. They're very ambitious and competent and energetic. Um, they also are very image conscious. So they um, care quite a bit about what other people think about them um, and kind of um, move what they want in life to how that's going to look to um, outsiders. Um, they have problems with workaholic, um, being a workaholic and with competitiveness, but at their best, they can be self-accepting, authentic, um, and everything they seem to be, they actually are. They're like really, really good role, ma- role models and really ambitious people. Hmm. Um, 
And then the number four, they're called the romantic. Um, fours are very creative, sensitive, self-aware, very empathetic people. Um, they are emotionally honest and personable, but they can also be moody and self-conscious. Um, but at their best, they are inspired and highly creative, and they are able to renew themselves and transform their experiences um, in beautiful ways. They can kind of give words to feelings that other people have um, that other people can't give words to. Mm. And then the five is the observer. Um, fives are very um, alert and insightful and curious people. Um, they love information. Like I tell people that fives think no information is bad information. <laughs> um, <laughs> they typically have problems with um, being kind of eccentric and withdrawn. They sometimes can isolate themselves because they are probably the most true introvert there ever is. At their best, they're visionary pioneers, often ahead of their time and able to see the world in an entirely different way than other people. Um, so the six is called the loyalist, and these are very um, security-oriented people um, that really just want to be safe and feel secure, and they um, have some anxiety that is um, related to protecting the people they love the most. Um, they tend to be kind of worst-case scenario thinkers because they think, okay, um, I need to look for the problem so that I can stop them and I can protect the people I love. Um, oh, okay. They can be cautious, indecisive sometimes, um, reactive, um, but also defiant and kind of rebellious. This is the most um, contradicting type on the Enneagram. So they can be, um, we talk a lot about this, not sixes with anxiety and some sixes get really frustrated with this because anxiety is not all that they are as we know right. but it's because they're so diverse that anxiety really is the only thing all sixes have in common oh, okay. um but at their best they're um, very stable self-reliant very loyal courageous and they champion themselves as well as others and then the sevens, they're called the enthusiasts. And sevens, I think, are probably the easiest spot, um, number to spot <laughs> when you're just out and about. These are extroverted, optimistic, spontaneous, playful, um, very practical people. They have many talents. They light up a room as soon as they come in. Um, they seek new and exciting experiences all the time and can sometimes get distracted and exhausted by staying on the go. Um, at their best, they are... They focus on their talents and worthwhile goals, becoming appreciative, joyous, and satisfied. And then um, number eight, the challenger. Um, the eights are very self-confident, strong, assertive, protective, and decisive people. Although they usually hear at some point in their life that they come off as intimidating, they actually have a very, very sensitive um, soul that um, I've heard before um, eights describe that they almost have some sort of like a shield over like their heart and their soul because they, they are so soft on the inside mm -hmm. that like they have such a strong exterior. Um, sometimes eights have problems with their tempers and allowing themselves to be vulnerable, but at their best, they, um, use their strength to improve the lives of others, often becoming heroic, magnanimous, and inspiring. Um, so type Sounds not. familiar. <laughs> I know. I, I understand that you are an eight. <laughs> yes. So when we first chatted, like, or you saw my page, did you, do you like type people? You're like, oh, she's, she's an eight, like right off the bat. Well, so I, I try not to because I can't, obviously I don't know anyone's inner world. I can't see that from the outside, but the more you know and understand the Enneagram, the louder people's numbers are. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I do tend to find that my initial like gut feeling about people's type tends to be right. Um, but I always, I always try to give people the benefit of a doubt. I'm never surprised when they also aren't what I thought they were. <laughs> yeah. yeah I so don't, I'm like, I, I'm liking hearing all these attributes because I need to hear them. I think a lot so that I can, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to jump to conclusions and like you, like you said, not give someone the benefit of the doubt, but if it can help me understand them, I think that's, um, that's the goal, right? Yeah, that we, exactly. That we all connect well and communicate well. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I'm so excited that the Enneagram is becoming more popular because even though it's sometimes it's being used very poorly, um, it also is helping that like a lot of people know what their numbers are. And like, that's such a useful thing. Um, just with having empathy for other people and also understanding what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have one more type <laughs> to go. I know over. I'm like we cutting you off here. Okay. We have the poor nines. Go ahead. I know. I just didn't want the nines to have a heart attack and be like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> are, do are nines have anxiety? Um, oh yes, they can. When they, especially when they're stressed, they can have a lot of anxiety but also like their deepest hurt is that they're overlooked so i don't want to make any nines feel overlooked yeah so um nines are called the peacemaker and they are very accepting trusting optimistic supportive um, people and they care a lot about their inner stability and peace of mind so this can cause them to be kind of conflict avoidant and they also kind of have this superpower and also um like also not a great thing but um they can merge with other people so um, when they're around people that have really strong opinions, also the nine can also think they have those opinions. And then it's like when they leave, they actually realize what they actually think and feel. And it can be very different from the other person. Um, but in order to um, avoid conflict, that's kind of one of their defaults. Um, they can have problems with inertia and stubbornness. But at their best, um, they are able to bring people together, heal conflicts. And they're just they're called the sweethearts of the Enneagram. They just generally are very, very sweet, very nice people. All right. So that's, that's a nice summary there. Um, there's obviously a lot to... Do you feel like people can uh, like hear those and think they fit into many categories? Oh, yes. Especially, um, there's a couple of numbers on the Enneagram that tend to be like, oh, I can see a little bit of each of these in me. Mm. Um, and so that tends to usually be nines and sixes because they do kind of have such, um, I guess, objective view of the world and it's pretty easy for them to see all sides of a coin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people like that can tend to think that they, um, they can see all different attributes in themselves or they understand all of them. But the Enneagram is very focused on your motivation. Like what's your motivation in your life? What has been your overarching motivation of your life? And each one of those is a little bit different for each, um, for each type. And so that's usually where we point people to if, um, they tend to think that they're all of them or many. Mm. So, um, I think I had told you that my husband, uh, took the, took the test on, um, what's, what's the actual test that you pay for? It's like $12. Oh, the ready. Yeah. Um, um he took it there, which is where I took mine. Um, but I also, uh, did the inventory that, that you, and we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Um, but my husband, Charlie, was a five-way tie on the test. So I th- feel like I need to have him do it a separate way because he, I was like, well, that doesn't help me at all. Yeah. Um, so like what, but it was so funny because when that happened and I had posted about it in my Instagram stories, I got so many people saying, oh, that's such a nine thing to do. And I'm like, "I well, is it, is that like a nine thing to do to, to come into a five-way tie? 
Yeah, that that definitely, I would say people probably peg that pretty right. It's definitely kind of a nine thing, but I said also it can be a six sometimes that it does that. Um, but yeah, other types tend to um, know themselves a little bit too, too well to have um, answered some things that look like other types. Okay. Um, he but, thought it was just he couldn't be pegged down and he's so well-rounded. <laughs> oh, he's, so he's divergent, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's what he's going with. And then I was like, wait a second. I don't want to be typecast either. <laughs> but no, the, the eights describe me really well. Um, and so with those, I think maybe we should talk a little bit about um, how you go about finding your type and why you recommend not taking a test. Yeah. So, I mean, there are um, Enneagram purists that say never take a test and also don't call it a test, call it an assessment. Um, And then there are people that are like, oh, it's just fun. Just play the Enneagram, bingo, take the test, whatever. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. I don't necessarily recommend that people take a test because I feel like people take a test and what they do is they either like, oh, I'm a two. I'm going to put that on my Instagram like bio. Mm -hmm. I'm going to embrace it and I'm only going to look at twos. Um, and I just feel like that gives such a disservice to the Enneagram. Cause like really what I've learned the most from the Enneagram is having grace for other people and like mm. how they think. And so really, um, the best way that you can go about typing yourself is to, um, buy a book or get one from the library, like the road back to you that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And a- at each of the front chapters of the road back to you, there is 20 I am statements. So like for, um, to type eight, they would say, um, I am often called intimidating. And so you would go through that list and you would answer yes, no to, right. um, to each one of these. And that can so actually it's a self, be, it's a self-assessment about a statement about you. Yes. And so you'd read through all nine different 20 questions mm-hmm. and just kind of see which one you relate to highest. Um, this has been pretty in a pretty effective way to, um, to at least get two or three numbers to like really deep dive into, but also to get a really good sense on what all of them are like. Do you feel like people like self-assess incorrectly? Like they, they're idealizing what they want to be, not necessarily who they actually are. Um, if it's yeah, a negative trait. I mean, yeah, we tend to like the best parts of ourselves, which I mean, who, who wouldn't like, we, we really tend to kind of focus on the good things sometimes. And I see a lot of people that test as sevens because, um, we like when we're spontaneous, we want mm-hmm. to think of ourselves as fun. And, um, so a lot of people, a lot of people test as sevens because, um, that's kind of what they want to be. Right. And, um, it really depends too on like what you're thinking of. Like, are you thinking of yourself last Tuesday when you're testing? Are you thinking of yourself when you were 20? Um, like all of those things can really change your answer. Right. But when you're taking the self-assessment, are you, you're basically just in the moment, like you as a, as an adult, this is how I am. Yeah. Usually you're going to want to say, um, you're only going to want to say yes if what they're asking is 100% true about you. If it's been, usually they want you to think if this has been true about you, your entire life, or oh. at least, um, like in your early twenties, usually your personality is at its strongest. So, um, if you feel like you've grown or, oh, I used to be like that, um, then yeah, I would, um, think of yourself now how you are, but also if something like, oh, that was really true about me in my early twenties, I right. would probably also say yes. Cause that is when your personality is the loudest. Right. And I do like, um, and I'm sure this is in a variety of different places, but on the ready test that we did, which is R H E T I T I. Right. And it 
it gives you an overview of the layers of health within which within each number because i i think even even people who are eights i noticed like tend to feel like they have to apologize for being an eight um mm-hmm. because there's such a, a a strong um association with it like overbearing or forceful domineering and when you when you look at it from a scale of unhealthy um to healthy there's still so much growth within within that um, within every number, and so um, what I've read are like little blurbs about this is how you might act when you're unhealthy, this is how you might act when you're kind of in between unhealthy and moderate, and this is how you might act at moderate, and co- and so on. So there's different layers of um, each number, not just like uh, your your basic personality test or like your daily astrology like boom this is this is who you are um that you can uh you know be somebody in your early 20s and maybe be at an unhealthy level and then 10 years later look and feel like a different person but you're still that same number yeah exactly that's like one of the reasons why the Enneagram is so different than other personality tests. And one of the reasons why I found it to be a little more helpful is because there is that variation of like, okay, this is me at like my very worst. This is where I'm going. Like this is by God's grace, how I'm growing. And then like also with the um, stress and security arrows, like we were talking about, it also allows for like, this would be me while I'm deployed in Afghanistan and I'm really stressed. And then this is me on my couch eating chips. Like right. you're going to be a very different person <laughs> um, depending right. on what situation you're in. So then you really does um help cover all those things and like the weird part is it's so true like I think that's kind of what catches people off guard is that you don't really feel like you can be pegged like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah but it's been found to be so true do you think that um that even applies to people who maybe they have like a a job where they have to act a certain way and then at home they're completely different um, because they don't have to be a certain way, but different parts of their maybe assertiveness and um, decisiveness come out at work, whereas at home they're way more playful and indecisive. Um, like how does how does that work? Yeah, so I mean, I've seen this. I mean, I've even seen this with my own husband um, being kind of um, very confident in his job and like being pretty assertive and making decisions. And then when he gets home, he's so much more um, secure and he feels like he can be more himself because like we're not assessing him like his his job performance. We're not going to leave. And so he is so much more playful mm-hmm. and um, so much more himself and can kind of let down his guard and be more vulnerable. And I think each of us have that in different ways, but each number is going to kind of react to that a little differently. Like there are some numbers kind of like fours that um, can't really hide how they are. Like either fours, if they can just get really quiet, um, but their emotions are so loud in their face that they can't really um, like turn it on and turn it off mm-hmm. um, as well as other types. So each one is going to do it a little differently, but yeah, it does really affect them if um, they have expectations put on them in different situations and then they go to other places where they're really secure or there's a place right. that's really stressed. Um, right. Yeah. All of them are going to act a little differently. Oh, well, that makes sense. That's what the, I, now I can't stop calling it a pentagram because um, you've got that in my head is, is the, where, where you go at, at stress. So yeah, that, that makes sense. Those lines and arrows. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, I did want to talk, um, this, this, 
the Enneagram accounts seem and podcasts even seem to be primarily run by faith based um, people or organizations. And I didn't realize you were mentioning it earlier that the um, one of them was was a priest. Yeah, I think yeah, I think he was a monk, um, Richard Rohr. He's one of he's probably written a couple of the most popular Enneagram books, at least over the last twenty years. So I feel like in the Christian community that I've encountered, they're either like full on board, their their churches are having like Enneagram like conferences, and then there's other people that are like, It's just like Christian astrology mm-hmm. and there's like these two different camps of of um uh, Obviously, I think if they think it's Christian astrology, they just don't know enough about it yet. Um, but some people are full on board. Like they're like really embracing this almost as like a like a true Christian tool um, mm. for growth. And I mean, I haven't been to one of them. I've just, I, you know, in looking at the Enneagram and listening to stuff, I, just a theme that popped up. And um, why do you do you think it was Richard Rohr who kind of um made it more comfortable for faith-based communities to embrace it? Yeah, I feel like um, that's probably part of it. Some of the verbiage that's used in the Enneagram, like um, the deadly sins, like it's the seven deadly sins. Each one has one of them plus two because there's nine, obviously. Um, So there's like that um, verbiage used. There's also the virtues. So like each type um, kind of represents different virtues of like what God is. Like they, um, they show a certain part of his glory. Um, so I feel like the verbiage of like, kind of how, um, when we were talking in the beginning, the, um, um, Bolivian born, um, what is his name? Oscar Chase. Um, him, he, um, when he named these things, I think he had a very Catholic background. And so he, um, he made it kind of very comfortable, that verbiage for Christians and for people that believe in God, um, which make it feel very weird to people that don't. Um, Okay, so there's definitely some biblical, like, weaving in throughout the Enneagram. Yeah, and so I think that makes it more comfortable for Christians um, to embrace it. Um, Obviously, some people that don't, like, I I really do think that's fine. Like, if you've really struggled with, um, like, placing your identity not in Christ, um, and you really struggle with, like, wanting to wanting to prove yourself and having this identity and the Enneagram is kind of becoming a stumbling block for you, then like, it's, it's not for you. And that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Um, like I don't want to proselytize the Enneagram necessarily. Um, but I have seen it used as such a great tool, especially as a Christian for me, um, having grace for other people and like understanding that my, my inner world and the way I think is not the way other people think, Mm -hmm. like a big majority of the way other people think. And, um, it's really helped in my marriage for me to understand my husband and to not take him as personally. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. the way he is, is not him reacting to me. It's him reacting to himself and to his inner fears and that type of thing. Um, so I've seen it just used as such a great tool in that, um, And also with just seeing where my blind spots are, like it's really helped me in my faith to be like, I didn't know I had a huge problem with envy, Mm. but I do. (laughs) And when it was pointed out to me in the Enneagram, I was like, oh, okay, is this true of me? And then like, I just kind of observed my behaviors for a couple of weeks and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so true of me. Mm. Like I What number are you? I'm a four. Okay. And so four is, um, their deadly sin is envy. And I don't think I would have ever said that about myself, but the Enneagram really exposed that. And like, I was able to bring that to God and like really transform 
that part of my life and how I was reacting to other people out of envy. And so that's one of the reasons why I think like I've become a coach and I've seen the good in it and I've seen it used as a tool with Christianity. Of course, um, God being at the forefront front, not something we, we meld into at Enneagram. Um, cause God's wisdom is always the wisdom we defer to. Um, but yeah, I've just seen it transform my life so, so much and be such a helpful tool. Um, and I think a lot of other Christians have too. Well, and I think at least for me as, as a novice, I can only kind of, um, tell what people are like this is just me trying to like understand where why are you responding to me that way um because sometimes I'd think that that they don't know right I'm not going to just be like hey have you taken the enneagram before I answer your question or you can yeah, have exactly. me in, in such a weird way um and I'm trying to like I, I feel like if the more unhealthy they are or the more totally healthy it, they are I'm more able to uh, assign them in my brain. Um, but it's the ones that are kind of in the middle that are, you know, kind of moderate, moderate, healthy. I struggle trying to figure out, well, what number are you? But if they're like, so glaringly their their um, the negative attributes are coming out, it's actually more helpful for me. And I'm more able to give them grace because I can see it so much clearly. Um, like I was able to tell, you know, that somebody is a nine and the way that they were responding to me, where they were coming from and mm. how I was taking it was um, totally different than how they, without them saying um, that they were trying to be a certain way. Um, uh, I, but it was only because they were, um, they were coming from such an unhealthy place. But I noticed that my, my immediate reaction to them was coming from an unhealthy place. I felt, you know, this way. And then when I stopped and went, okay, hold on a second. This person is not me. I know that this person is probably this number. Then my reaction to them totally changed. Um, Mm. because I was able to, uh, identify or just at least remind myself that, because if that was me who had said it, uh, what they had said to me, it would have been coming from a different place, you know, and yes, theirs was coming from some place that I don't, I don't come from. So, and I was like, that's super vague. And I'm like, you know, just spewing words at this point. But, um, I think it is, it's really helpful even as a beginner to kind of try and pick up on traits. Um, and even I think especially when you're, you know, at the, at the grocery store on the road and these things happen that you don't need to, let them make you angry um, when somebody cuts you off or, you know, is rude to you, that it's, it's really helpful in understanding. Um, yeah. You if know. you only have your lens to look through, that's the way you're going to see the whole world and the way you're going to assume people are thinking. And so having nine lenses um, to kind of, that you can kind of understand a little bit better. Yeah, it does. I can't tell you how many times I've heard like the story you were just telling, even if, even if it was kind of vague, like, Yes. Like that's like, that's exactly kind of the tool of grace that Enneagram can be. Right. And, um, and I think, uh, so I have a endocrine disorder, PCOS, and that even understanding my own hormonal issues gave me, I, I had so much more grace towards people 
who were rude mm. because I'm like, I remember feeling so misunderstood and people assumed the worst about me when I wasn't even in control of my emotions. Um, so I was like, Oh, I wonder if like somebody under like a hormonal rage is like getting mistyped, uh, on the Enneagram because <laughs> they're not in control of their hormones. I'm like over here, overcomplicating it. Um, but I was curious because this would be such a good tool for your kids. Like at, what point do you think you're able to kind of assess your, your child? Um, and, and do they even have a type and does it get like ingrained in you at a certain point in your youth? Yeah. So, um, there is a couple of different ways we can get an Enneagram type. We believe it's kind of both nature and nurture, which I mean, isn't a great answer, but, um, so we think that you are born with a certain lens that you look through being a certain type and trauma can change that. So, um, you are born a certain way and then, yeah, you can go through something that makes you into a different type. But I would, I think that about 75% of the type at the time, like people are the number they were born. Um, so there is as young as three, you can start seeing some tendencies, Mm -hmm. um, for certain types, but really I don't think that, kids are solidified in their type until they're almost about 15. Okay. Um, me being a coach, I've tried to even coach a 15 year old and it's, it's just a little muddy. Like, yeah. um, it's muddy for kids to, cause they don't, they don't know their motivations right. quite. They can't articulate it. And they also don't have enough life experience to be like, Oh yes, this is me. Like, um, like this is what I do. Um, or this is how I behave in this situation. Um, some some kids will be very obvious one type or the other, but we encourage parents that if you're going to use the Enneagram, which it can be a great tool in parenting, um, is to not tell your children mm-hmm. what type you think they are, even if they have glaringly obvious tendencies, right. um, because that can be even more of a crutch to, to grow up being like, oh, you're just such a one. And yeah. um, so you don't want to do that to your kids. But I would recommend that if you... Um, if your child seems to be one Enneagram type or you're not sure, the best thing you can do for them is to practice loving them the way that that Enneagram type receives love um, yeah. and see how they react. Like see if they bloom under that or if they seem indifferent, like that's going to give you a really big clue to um, kind of what their language is in the Enneagram. So what's, I feel like you were going to, um, or you were going to share like how you love each type. Maybe yeah. a good time for that. Yes, it is. So, um, yeah, so I have a list of how each type, um, kind of receives love the best. Um, so I'll just kind of go through one through nine. Um, so ones, they feel the best loved when you acknowledge the work they do to do things right and by respecting their rules. Um, so ones, uh, really try to do things right and they have a really hard time when they do things wrong or get, get punished because they have that inner critic that's already yelling at them from like the inside. Um, so by acknowledging that they were even trying to do the right thing, it can mean a lot to them and it can kind of almost silence that inner critic that they're hearing. Is there going to be like crossover with like the five love languages? Like, cause I'm hearing like words of affirmation. Yeah. So there is kind of, um, like, I hate to say that like one, one Enneagram type can only have one love language because I think they can, they can have anything. Um, but there are ones that you're like, oh, this looks a little obvious that it would probably be this type. So yes. Yeah. Um, but then two, um, and then this is kind of funny. You just mentioned love language because I always talk about with twos. Um, they, they don't usually have a love language. They want all five all the time. <laughs> they, they love love and they want you to reciprocate their love and thank them for their generosity. That's, um, 
how they feel it. But really, you could get them a gift. You could mow the lawn for them. You could you could do anything, and they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, you love me so much. Um, <laughs> and then threes, they feel the most loved when you acknowledge their productivity um, and give them lots of praise. Um, threes thrive on praise. Um, I, my mom is a three, and um, she, to this day, loves those little gold star st- foil stickers. Oh. Um, <laughs> they love to be affirmed in that way, and... You're talking like from the chore charts and stuff? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but she, she would probably do a lot of things to get those stars. I don't even want to ask, but, um, <laughs> yes. So threes love praise. The more you can give them, the more it's just, you you can see it on their face. Like they just start beaming. Um, and then fours, they feel best loved when you appreciate their depth and you point out their potential. So, um, Fours second guess themselves a lot. And, um, they also, they have a really hard time with like small talk. And so when you are having a conversation with them and you, um, and they're going deep or you're really appreciating that, like appreciating their depth, um, and then pointing out in them, like the, the talents and the gifts you see in them. Cause it, a lot of times it's not as obvious to them as you might think. Um, yeah. And then with fives, um, they feel best loved when you give them space and when you appreciate what they bring to the world. Um, so fives, they, they do not function well with being smothered, um, by affection or by a lot of, um, a lot of one-on-one time. They like their own time. They like their own space, but they do want to feel competent and they want to feel very knowledgeable. So by acknowledging how knowledgeable they are, they feel really loved by that. And then sixes, they feel most loved when you don't discount their anxieties and fears um, and when you remain someone who's worthy of their loyalty. Okay. Yeah, which is kind of a, a packed answer, but um, that's that's the way you can best love a six is um, by kind of being reassuring and... Re- like meeting their expectations? Yeah. I mean, and obviously some sixes might have blown out of proportion expectations, especially if they're unhealthy, but, mm-hmm. um, they are going to be really loyal to you. And it's kind of just with reciprocating that, like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to remain trustworthy. I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that speaks volumes to them. Um, and then sevens, they feel best loved when you appreciate their outgoing and adventurous nature. Um, and when you have fun with them, like they, they want you, um, to, to have fun with them and appreciate that they are fun, but they also, they want you to, um, not use them as the fun person. Um, it can be a lot of weight to, um, be the person who's expected to lift up the room. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes sevens can feel like they are used, um, to do that, to be the one who's never upset. So, um, have fun with your seven, give them fun things to do, but also, um, like appreciate that they don't always have to be fun. Like don't be taken off guard Mm -hmm. if they're having a bad day. Like everyone can not be okay sometimes. And, um, you would love your seven well by giving them that space. I can't not hear sevens and just not think about Bob Goff now because knowing this, that he's a seven and we've been at several events with him. And have you ever seen Bob talk? I have. Yes. And he's very vibrant and funny and energetic. And, you know, he, at one point my husband asked him, he's like, have you had coffee today? He's like, Nope, I wake up like this. And he's like, (laughs) and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, this is just you. You're on fire all the time. I do not want to see you on coffee. So, um, but that's, that's interesting that they don't want to be used as the fun one. 
But, yeah, um, I mean, they're more than willing to be the fun one most of the time. But yeah, they do. They can start to feel used sometimes if um, if they don't feel like loved outside of just being the one invited to to have bring fun. the funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so um, eights best feel loved when you um, respect them by being straightforward with them and by giving them space when they ask. Um, out of any number, eights can handle the truth. And even if they don't agree with you or if they're offended by what you're saying, they're still going to appreciate that you told them the truth. I um, second this. Yes, they really want that. And then um, they also mean what they say. So if they say, um, I need space, I need you to back away right now, I need I need this, um, it speaks love to them when you, uh, when you do what they say. <laughs> Word. Yep. And so um, nines, they best feel loved when you remember the little things that they like and when you make them feel valued. So um, like we were kind of saying, sometimes nines can forget what they like and can forget um, what they want and who they are, which feels really, really odd to a lot of other numbers. So if you are shaking your head like you can't forget what you like, then you're probably not a nine. Um, but you can make them feel loved when you remember, like just even remembering like what kind of chocolate bar they like and like bringing that to them on their birthday like that. That speaks um, value and worth and love to them. Oh, good to know. Um, do you feel like, uh, I feel like you mentioned maybe was, was it fours that are tend to be more introverts? Yeah, well, fives are the quintessential introverts of okay. the Enneagram. Um, but each type, and I know some, there's some controversy about this, but I really do believe any type can be either introverted or extroverted. Obviously, like sevens are usually going to be extroverts and fives are usually going to be introverts. Um, but with a yeah, bunch of, sense. yeah, a bunch of variations taken in account, you can be either or. Right. Okay. I'm just curious. I mean, when I, when I read about something like, like myself, right, I'm reading about the eights and I know that I'm an introvert. I just assume that, um, everybody is the same kind of eight as I am, like, uh, the same Myers-Briggs and introvert. And, um, I don't know. I just, is that a, a, a normal, like assumption to make? There's yeah. like so much that we have in common, like the, the Myers-Briggs, uh, type that I have with eights they tend to be, they, they mesh up pretty well. Like they're not exact, but there, there's a lot of the common themes about challenging and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Especially if like you relate to a lot of the descriptions and things that are said about your type, it's going to be, um, really surprising to you if you find someone who relates to your same type who does who seems really different than you like that can take people really off guard because you would assume that like oh this is the description this is how they are but there are a lot of variables which um you had mentioned wings at the beginning so i can yes. i can mention a little bit about what wings are because that is a variable um is um so a wing if you are looking at the enneagram the circle um so a wing is one of the numbers on either side of your number. So for a nine, they could have either a one wing or an eight wing. Um, and this is just, so I've heard people explain it as like your main personality is the, uh, the steak on your plate and your wings are the salt and the pepper. Okay. And so you can use a lot of salt. You can use a lot of pepper. You can use a little of both. You can use none at all. And that's kind of how wings are. Usually you're going to use one dominantly. So um, I'm a four and I have a pretty dominant five wing. So that makes me a little bit more introverted. Um, like I dive into topics like crazy, like the Enneagram. Um, and, but my inner life, my motivations, my sin proclivities, my inner world, totally four. 
um, like to the T. But then my outward behaviors, my, um, like pretty much everything that I behave and act and how I react to the world outside of just my inner world, um, looks like a five. Okay. Um, so that's, I'm a four wing five and, um, some people get kind of confused with these and wonder how you find your wing. But really, if you read descriptions, they're going to, they're going to be pretty obvious. Usually if you have one wing or the other with you, um, saying that you're more introverted, you probably lean more like eight wing nine than eight wing seven. And um, so when I went through the Enneagram inventory with the 20 questions of each and, um, so I scored 19 on eight. Um, and then, uh, with, I went through and like just scored myself on how many I felt were me. Uh, and with the seven, I scored seven and with the nine, I scored four. Oh, so yeah, I don't know. Like it's the, yeah, I feel like anytime I've read about wings, I always feel like that's not me. I just, Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I'm an enigma. Yeah, well, I mean, you can be what we call the eight-wing eight. <laughs> um, oh, there is an eight-wing eight? Well, not necessarily, but you can be someone who doesn't have a wing. It's um, it's rarer, but it does happen. Usually, um, usually the people with two wings are older and have kind of exercised both of their wings and got it to the point that they use both of them. Or people with um, with that seemingly no wing um, just are really, they found their personality to work for them really well without having I'm to delve I'm a grounded eight sites. is what you're saying. I yes. can't lie. <laughs> <laughs> you're just very comfortable where you are. <laughs> yeah, I guess I shouldn't be though. I should learn to, I should learn to fly, fly the nest or something. Um, so, uh, can you change types? I, th- I know we were talking about children and like being born with it, but is, is it something that can happen or is it more rare for you to be a seven all the way through your twenties and then you're, you know, you totally change types. Yeah. So it is the main belief between every Enneagram teacher. I know that you cannot change your core number. Um, like, like I said, like you, you can't go back to your childhood and, um, that there's things that happen that are called like the childhood wound, which is something that you either heard during childhood or you thought you were hearing. Cause that's just the lens you were looking through, yeah. um, as that type. So you can't go back to your childhood and re get that wound, um, or re enter into the world and have to use a personality to survive. And so you will be one main type, one core type your entire life, but things do fluctuate like wings. Like you, um, there's some people that think that you're in one wing half your life and then you flip, um, which those things can really affect your behaviors Mm -hmm. or you can be a really unhealthy number in the beginning of your life and then grow a lot. So, um, so it might look like your number is changing. Um, but really you're the same number that can just look so, so different. I could be a really unhealthy eight with a nine wing and then become a healthy eight with a more dominant seven wing and look like a different person. Oh yes, definitely. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and I, some of the, some of these questions were coming from my readers, but they were curious, are there types that are just, you know, in general harder to interact with, or is it just the, the healthiness of, of that, of any type? Yeah. So it's definitely, definitely the healthiness because, um, any healthy number is an absolute joy. Um, there one, like any healthy number is an absolute wonderful spouse, 
friend, person to be around. Um, healthy numbers are just great in general. But um, I have seen a chart somewhere. I don't know where it is now. But uh, that said each, each Enneagram type will have one other Enneagram type that it's just a little harder for them to understand. Oh, um, for each for each number, like yeah, uh, for each like number, type one, uh, they might th- not get along with a certain one one particular type. Yeah, it's like um, our motivations are so different, and we act in such different ways that like it's really hard for me to understand you. And so mm-hmm. that that is a player, but usually that differs type to type. Like which right. one is going to be a little harder for you? Do you find that you um, get along with a certain number more in your life? Mm, so um. Yeah, I would say that um sixes and nines for me are really are pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um because they they are they're usually pretty laid back people and they tend to um be good listeners and as a four I really appreciate that. Um and that being said, like my husband is a one. Um and we get along really well, um which is kind of funny because we are very very different. Um but yeah, I'm not sure if I would get along with other ones quite as well as I get along with him. I have told him a couple of times if we weren't in love, we might not be friends. Um, <laughs> cause I feel like it takes that love he has for me to, for him to be so patient with me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think, yeah, sixes and nines are definitely pretty easy for me. I do feel like sometimes I have a hard time with, um, with eights and twos, either just feeling a little manipulated by unhealthy twos or feeling a little, um, overshadowed by unhealthy eights. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they tend to bring out the withdrawing in me. So I just like, I feel kind of like, okay, I'm not valued here. Like I can't, oh. I can't say anything. I'm just going to be really quiet. Do you feel unvalued right now? No, I don't. Okay. You have been a very friendly <laughs> eight to me. So thank you. Well, it's funny you say eights and twos because I have a lot of twos in my life. And mm. when I read through it, I, that was my lowest score. Oh, okay. and, um, but it's on my little chart, that's where I go in growth. And so the twos I have in my life, I feel are very healthy. And mm. um, so I don't, because I'm always cautious of of twos being taken advantage of. Mm. And I never want to feel like I'm doing that. But I feel like when I look at the relationships I have that are twos, they are like some of my stronger relationships and the ones that I can truly count on and be honest with um, and and not feel like I'm taking advantage of them. But I did. I, that's interesting though, that, um, twos, twos and eights are not for you, but I'm like over here, I'm an eight and I got a lot of twos, twos on my team. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I need a plethora of eights and twos to come into my life so that I can no longer say that. <laughs> well, I, I hope that happens. Um, I mean, I, I think, um, I think I just need to get a better understanding. Maybe, maybe I do have more people in my life of that are all over the map. I just don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. I think I've just become more familiar with certain types. For some reason, I get nines and twos mixed up all the time. Um, I don't know if there's maybe that theme of being taken advantage of. Does nine does nine have that? Um, um, no, they are just a little bit more passive aggressive. They're passive, right? Twos yeah. are can be more manipulative when they're unhealthy. So those two things can feel similar coming at right. you. Um, but they are a little different. Gotcha. Um, so where do you feel like your health is on your four? Oh, so, um, I tend to think I'm probably the last, the last peg on the healthy. So there's um, like nine levels of health. If you look on the Enneagram Institute, um, with like the three at the lowest being unhealthy and then three mm-hmm. in the middle being average and then three at the top being healthy. So I probably think I'm, I range about number three and I can probably go down to four or two depending 
on kind of where my stress is at and where my mm-hmm. um, my time with God is. Um, but yeah, I tend to, I tend to think I probably am a a little bit more of a healthy four. At least that's what the people around me have told me. A lot of people would say that they would have never thought I was a four or, um, struggle with the things internally that I do struggle with. Mm -hmm. Um, and that comes with being healthier is, um, that you still hear the things inside of you, like the lies, um, really loud, but you can dismiss them easier when you are healthy healthy, and you, you're hearing the voice of Christ louder than the voice of those lies. And so you can walk in that voice instead of the lies. I recently saw, um, somebody did, um, on Instagram. There's so, there's so many great, uh, Instagram accounts now that are taking each number and, um, sharing something about them. And they did it over Easter and they did, um, uh, the fruits of the spirit and assigned to each number, which I thought was, was great. Um, but you also have, you guys have an Instagram account where you're posting the same, the same things, right? So you're, you're choosing a theme about something and you're, uh, making it applicable to each number. So there'll be a slide for each number in that category of what you're, what you're talking about, right? Like, can you yeah. give like an example? Yeah. So, um, the way we've done our Instagram account is, um, we've been doing different series. So my heart is really to make the Enneagram, um, really accessible to people, to novice that don't know much about it. And so, um, like the first series we did was just about, these are what the nine types are. So we have a description of each of the nine types. And then we did a series that were like, this is what wings are. And so we did a description of each of the types with their wing. And then we're like, okay, well, here is what you look like when you're in stress or security. And we did a series on that. So like right now, um, I'm working on a series about childhood wounds and about how you get your Enneagram type. And then, um, last month I did a series on, um, about, uh, the types in relationships and the types at work. And so all of those you could find on our feed. It's Enneagram.life um, is our handle. Um, but yeah, right. I, I love to do things like that and to kind of show people like, okay, this is what the Enneagram is. This is where it's applicable. I find it really applicable in relationships. So that's like why we did that one and just kind of helping people understand each of the types. Um, that's kind of how we've done Instagram. Right. And I think, um, you know, I, I just like to encourage people that uh, are really into the Enneagram to maybe whole people in your life and ask them if they already know what their numbers are. At least this is what would be helpful for me is, um, because I like to see people to use it that they're not just looking at themselves. I'm not just going to be so eight obsessed, but I want to truly learn all the other types. Um, but I also, if you know your number, I, I would want to write it down because it, it helps me at least visually to go like, oh, I, these are the names of the ones in my life. So when I when I read your slides, um, I can visualize that person with mm. with that information. Yes, and um, like even hearing how they're best loved and that type of stuff. Yeah, because you yeah. can you can learn all day. At least I can like how ones and twos and all all of them are loved. But if I don't know who that applies to. I don't know how to um, translate that into action, um, an actionable item. Um, So I think because the Enneagram has become so popular, uh, you know, through social media, that a lot of people know their numbers now Mm -hmm. um, and at least are at least curious about it. Um, So and maybe you'll there they just found out their number and you're able to love them and they didn't even know that's how they needed to be loved um and anyway so i just wanted to encourage people to um 
you know, use it as a tool for yourself, but also for, for others. And, um, and for your marriage, hopefully I'm, I need to get this done with my husband too, because I'm over here like, okay, well you didn't, you didn't help me at all. I got five. I got to like merge five (laughs) types together here, but this is actually really helpful because I don't know that I'd really looked at how they best receive love and just hearing those. I think, um, I can, I can type my husband from there. (laughs) That's pretty, um, that was helpful. Yeah. So, um, and on your, I just wanted to tell people how to find you. You, you mentioned your Instagram page. And so it's Enneagram.life. And if you don't know how to spell Enneagram, it's E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. And if you're listening to this podcast, you'd be able to just look down and see it. I'll also um, include links in the, the podcast episode to your Instagram. And within your Instagram um, profile, you have a link um, that goes to your website that you can sign up for newsletter subscription. And I know that when you sign up, you, you get an email with a bunch of things. I don't want to mess it up. Yeah. So when you subscribe to get our emails, you get a link, um, you will get a welcome email that has a typing guide, um, that we kind of go through three different stages of kind of how to type your, yourself, um, without a test and with a test, we give some links. Um, and then you get a free printable bookmark that kind of, that has all nine types on it and is really helpful when, if you're reading an Enneagram book just to refer to. Um, and then we also give you links to our Spotify playlists, which are like my favorite thing ever, um, that we made nine different playlists, ones for each of the nine types. And they are just really cool and really fun to listen to. Oh, awesome. I haven't explored those yet, but I did listen to, I know the Sleeping at Last songs. Yeah. Um, is that what they're called? Atlas, um, where they did, they did the songs and funny enough, I, um, was watching Grey's Anatomy. Uh, I don't know. I was cleaning at the time and I heard the sleeping at last eight song. Come on. Um, and it had to do with laying your armor, your shield down, which you were referring to Mm -hmm. earlier. Um, and Anyway, so yeah, I'll include all of that information and so people can find you. And you're also coaching now. So why would somebody want a coach? Oh, yes. So um, I just started coaching this last month. And oh my gosh, it's been such a joy. I've loved it so much. But um, well, the reasons why someone would want a coach or hire me is because um, like you're having a hard time finding your type. If you're stuck in between two numbers, um, I can really delve deep with you. I can ask you questions. You can ask me questions of like where you're confused. Um, I do hour sessions. And usually by the end of the hour, um, someone that you usually have some sort of footing that like, okay, I think I'm this type. I don't know what wing I am, but I'm going to keep thinking about it. Or you have, um, like two types that I give you some homework to kind of work on. So that's one of the reasons. Um, it also might be that you know your type, but you have, you don't know how to go from there. Like, how do I make this practical? How do, um, how do I grow as this type? What do the arrows mean? What do the wings mean? Um, I've done um, a coaching session like that with someone and like, oh my gosh, we both cried. It was, it was so oh. amazing just to like tell, tell them like, okay, this is what the gospel is. And like, this is how God wants to grow you. And then tell them that in their own language of like how they hear love and like, oh, it was so beautiful. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And then like, I also do um, couples coaching, like whether it is with both of you guys, or if it's just you wanting to un- understand your spouse's type. Um, uh-huh. I also have done a lot of research on that so I can help with that. And 
Yeah. So those are just a couple of the reasons why, but um, I found it really helpful. I have some reviews about my coaching on our um, Instagram highlights. If you want to look at those, um, you can sign up for coaching, look at my availability. That's all on my website. Awesome. Well, I hope that was helpful for everybody. Like I, I um, had a little bit of knowledge um, about the Enneagram and I felt like I learned something just talking to you um, this past hour, I, I think, um, I kind of broke through some, (laughs) some hurdles here. That was really helpful. Oh, awesome. So, um, yeah. So check you, do you and your husband both run the Instagram account? Is it primarily you? So it is primarily me. I mean, my husband has a day job, so his availability to do stuff is only so limited, but he, um, he edits all my writing. He does a lot of the graphics and takes all the pictures. So he is very hand in hand with me, but I'm the one that responds to all the DMs. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, great. Well, thanks for coming on and sharing all of this wonderful information. And I'd love to hear everybody's type. And so let me know, um, what you are. All right, Elizabeth, thanks so much for for everything again. Oh, thank you too. So you know you're going to have to tell us what your type is now that you've listened to this. You can give the show a rating and tell us what your type is in your review. And in the podcast show notes, I'm going to go ahead and link to Elizabeth and her husband's Enneagram page, which is at Enneagram.life. So you can just click on it. Um, I'm also going to put in the books that she had mentioned. So you can shop those if you're interested in pursuing your learning further. Thanks everybody for joining us and we'll see you next time.